Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission at us customs and border protection. We go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join us customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. In the bonus with Colin Taylor from Hancock Central Studios. Powered by Twin Peaks and Kenny Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Florence. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome in. It is in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head on your Wednesday morning, halfway through the week. And if you had Monday off, this week's probably flying by. Now, we did not have Monday off, so it feels no. like a normal week to us. But, yeah, if it's only your four-day work week, like, these are, this is a prime kind of week. It's like, wow, it's already halfway over and, you know, only two days in. You let me know what a day off looks like in college football. Uh, there's not one. Yeah. For you. I was looking, I was like, oh, well, because Monday we host our show. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, Tuesday, Beamer, Wednesday, Coordinators. Thursday, a little bit slower, but you and I are hosting two shows together. That's right. And then Friday, a little bit slower. Friday is typically your slowest day. Which is weird, considering it's 
the day before game day. Right, but we've all, like, it's been talked about to no end. Like, sure. it's, you're ready to just be done with it at that point and just kick it, off, so. Do you feel like you fall into a rut during football season? Rut and routine are one and the same. Okay. I'm in a routine, yes. It's hard to break sometimes, but yes. They're rut to a degree, but it's it's a process. It's, it's a routine at yeah. some point. Now, how different is that during the bye week? The bye week's weird because mm-hmm. you don't have media availability. Right. You're doing all this stuff. Now, for us, there is, like, fall baseball that's going on, so we're talking a lot about that. But sure. it's weird because you're so used to, like, okay, it's it's Tuesday. I need to be here. You get so used to, like. Now, do you ever, like, show up and, like, oh, wait, there's nobody talking today? Yeah. I Oh, I don't think I've ever done that. I've been smart enough to text somebody beforehand to be like, hey. But it's like I'm in a I'm in a groove now, so it's like Tuesday, uh, you know, here work, Beamer like this, and then Wednesday it's here. Let the dog out, come back for coordinators, go home. Like there's some ebb and flow to it now compared to August, but it's a you realize quickly how quick you fall back into the routine once the season starts up. I saw on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now, the other day, uh, somebody tweeted out like in x number of weeks we'll be playing college basketball and i'm That's like john rostein yeah let's it. let's not do this no oh those are the worst you talk about like when countdowns happen those are the countdowns i hate where it's like hey guys remember this thing that's happening also at this time it's like we just started college like, football man yeah and usually i think like a hundred days out from baseball season is like thanksgiving weekend yeah it's like you, and you so like two things going on right so it's like basketball's in the throes of it and you just finished up or are starting rivalry week so it's like it's just so brutal yeah those countdowns are the ones that i'm like you understand why i hate countdowns when you see stuff like that i get it i i promise i won't needle you about the basketball or baseball one thank you i appreciate that but to be fair summer like football when there's not as much going on right you know now when it gets down to like hey 10 days until south carolina tips off or you know it's uh, two weeks until first pitch We'll talk about that yeah, then. Yeah. But. Till then. Till then. We're going to avoid countdowns. Like Co- the plague. College basketball almost feels like it comes out of nowhere sometimes. Because yes. you're just so ingrained in the college football season. And you're like, oh, yeah, basketball starts, like, next week. And you're like, oh, that's why I think they should push back college basketball. Just until after Thanksgiving. Def- yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and I love college yeah. basketball. But. Yeah, and we, we know the first month month and a half of the season you're playing non-conference games you know outside of when duke and kansas play on an aircraft carrier or something like that like most of these games are fairly inconsequential right yeah and it's one of those things like yes you're gonna get some marquee ones but it's hard for me to like get geeked up from michigan western michigan on a yeah random tuesday in november because you don't december you don't know anything about the teams kind of similar to what we saw in college football this past weekend where so many major teams played FCS opponents, group of five teams. Right. It's like, all right, I saw what you did. You put up 70 points. Congratulations. But I still don't know a lot about your team. Yep. It's, it's so, and it's so slow too, that we don't really get to understand some of this as well. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll yeah, be interesting. Definitely. So, but we're, we're a long way from college basketball. So let's thank you. Let's steer, let's steer away from that. Uh, Coach Beamer did speak to the media yesterday and, uh, the news uh, prior to his press conference that came out uh, just an hour or so after we got done yesterday, of course, was the news about Mokaba 
which when we heard what Beamer said in his Sunday night press conference, you kind of figured this was probably going to be the case when you kind of read between the lines. But official confirmation, Mo Caba is out for the season, and, you know, you really feel for the guy because obviously he's had multiple injuries. He worked so hard yep. to come back from the Arkansas injury, which was right at just out of calendar a year ago now because it was in game number two. He's on the field for only a handful of plays, one defensive snap, and then he goes down with his knee injury, and he's now out for the season. Yeah, it's, it's gutting for a lot of reasons. Obviously, for Mo being a, a key piece to what South Carolina Carolina's wanted to do the last two seasons, a, an incredibly ath- athletic person, an incredibly good linebacker, yeah, point blank. But the person, I mean, Mo, from every interaction I've had with him, has been nothing but awesome. He's been cheery. He just seems so excited to finally be back on a football field. Yeah. And 10 plays into his season, however many snaps it was, it just, it didn't hit. It, something happened, and, and that's it. And you feel so, so, so bad for him. Mm-hmm. And now, as you project towards South Carolina, a once deep linebacker room all of a sudden gets that much thinner. Well, and we saw on Saturday night, Debo and uh, Stone Bland played literally every single snap outside of the one that Mokaba did get on the field. I believe he was in relief of, of Debo for that one snap. But once mm-hmm. he goes down, literally those two guys played the entire game. And I give him credit. Debo Williams led the team in tackles. He had the lone tackle for loss for South Carolina on that, you know, really great hit um, that he had in the game. But, man, you... <laughs> You can't rely on these guys to go out there and give you, you know, 95 to 100% of the snaps every single week. They're going to be dead halfway through the season. Right, and that's, you know, if you just take a one-game sample size, you could say, yeah, they could play 70 snaps in a game. Nope. I'm sure they could, but can they play 70 snaps for two straight games? Yeah. For three straight games? And for- once you get into the thick of SEC play and you're taking on physical yeah. team after physical team, that's going to catch up to you real quick. Right, and so if you... You need to be able to develop some depth. You have Pup Howard, who was healthy. He was just not ready. And I get it. Like, when those two guys are playing fairly well and it's a freshman about to get thrown in and you don't have to do it, play cautious. Yeah. Well, And he didn't practice a ton on special teams, so it was hard to put him on special teams. And I get it. Now you have a whole week knowing the situation to get him ready to play, and I think you're going to see it ton of pup power this weekend uh ben martin scott back in the lineup or back on the depth chart the other day after being out this past weekend and you know wonder about how healthy he is and everything like that and you know you're certainly not going to ask him to go out there and play 70 snaps but if he can work in the rotation for a few plays and again reprieve uh you know stone blaine there or debo williams that would certainly go a long way yeah and it's bam martin scott and after that it's bam martin scott and pup power to your two mm-hmm. natural backups but after that, it's right-shirt freshman Jerron Willis, who was brought in as a it, developmental guy is not the right word, but like a guy that was going to be an impact player in a year or two and not it, this year. Yeah, Terry and I were talking about that a little bit earlier on this morning. It's like that's a name that when he came in, it's like, oh, you know, coming from Ole Miss, SEC guy, like, okay, maybe there's something here. And then we've literally not said a word about him through the summer, through camp or anything. But like you said, you know, somebody that maybe is expected to contribute a little bit later down the line we were having the same conversation about some of these guys on the offensive line and unfortunately due to injuries your numbers getting called and it's like all right let's see what you can do right and then after him it's andrew colacerdo ronnie porter colin bryant jamie and riser 
hope I'm saying his name correctly, all PWOs, mm-hmm. non-scholarship guys. And um, that's not to take away from any of their talent. They're very good players, and, and Clayton White likes them a lot. But if I told you, would you rather have Mokaba out there or someone else, you'd probably take Mokaba. Definitely. And when we talk about worst-case scenario in terms of who got injured and at what position, mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about. Yes, you're losing a good guy, a good player in Mokaba. Yes, you're losing a good player in Case and Henry. Yes, you're losing a good player in Nikki Minwari. But it's it's the trickle-down effect of all of that. Yep. Now you have a thin tackle group's that much thinner. A thin linebacker group is that much thinner. A, a, a once-deep linebacker group is now thin because you're dealing with not one but two injuries. Same with offensive line when you're really dealing with three in Marky yep. Anderson, Jalen Nichols, and, and now Case and Henry. Defensive back David Spaulding might be out. Uh, he's, I believe, doubtful is what Beamer said yesterday. So when you're dealing with all of these things that say, hey, we need to stay healthy at these four or five positions. Yeah. Three of them have already sustained not one but multiple injuries. And, look, injuries are a natural part of sports in general and certainly football when you're talking about the physicality and and aggressiveness of it. And, you know, if you get halfway through the season and you're dealing with something like this, that's one thing. But to be coming out of week number one and saying, okay, like three of the five key areas where we don't need injuries have significant injuries, then you're starting to look down for the rest of the season and going, man, how are we going to navigate this? Right, and and there might be a solace to having it happen so early because you – have time to game plan and get these guys better for when, if Case and Henry comes back this year, if, you know, whenever Nicky Minwari comes back. But it's still, it, it'd be different if it happened over the summer or in camp and you were able to have two or three weeks to get these guys' feet under them. Right. And you don't have that to the same degree. And what people need to realize, especially when, you, when guys are playing, like in a game, not your redshirt guys, not this who get extra practice time on scout or that practice on Sunday. It's it's hard to truly, truly take big, big leaps in a season. Right. And you see it with some guys, and some guys start to click more just because of experience. But practice in camp is let's get better, let's get better, let's install the offense, let's really work on what we're doing what we need to get better at. And that's the same in spring. When you're in a game week, it's Tuesday, we're installing a game plan. Wednesday, we're installing a game plan. Thursday, we're installing a game plan. And, yeah, there's some individual periods there, here and there, where you're able to to improve and work on some, some of your stuff. But it's not to the same level it was in March, and it's definitely not to the same level it was in, in August as well. So it makes it harder at times to bring those young guys along because – you're so focused on preparing for another team. Coach Beamer spoke about a number of things in his press availability yesterday, including one particular quote that uh, I'm sure you saw making its rounds on Twitter, X, whatever we're going to call it. And uh, we'll react to that coming up because it maybe gives a little bit of insight into how much noise might be filtering into the Gamecocks football program. We'll hit that next. You're listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. You're on the game. In the bonus, the bonus with Colin with Taylor, Colin from, Taylor from, Gamecock from Gamecock Central and Tyler Hicks. 
powered by Twin Peaks and Candy Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. In the bonus, he's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. Coming up tomorrow night, Carolina Calls, 6 o'clock with Coach Beamer. Your last opportunity to hear from him before Saturday's game against Furman. williams Rice Stadium kickoff at 7.30. Local coverage here on The Game will begin at 2.30 with Gamecocks Game Day with myself and Preston Thorne. Uh, yesterday, of course, Beamer speaking to the media over his usual Tuesday availability. And, of course, the big topic of conversation was what happened with the offensive line on Saturday night. And Beamer was asked, you know, about what he saw in practice, particularly from yesterday and, and improvements that can be made in that area, among others. And uh, this is the answer that gained quite a bit of attention yesterday. Here is what Beamer had to say. Yeah, my faith in the offensive line is high. I thought they were really good today. You know, we face a good defense each day in practice, we feel like, and they're throwing a lot at us. And and I thought the whole team came out there with a good uh, temperament about themselves and, and eagerness to get back out on the field. And and nobody feels good about Saturday night as well. Confidence in them is, is, uh, is high. We've got good players. I've seen that. Uh, this is not me seeking comfort, but the truth is we Jalen Nichols was going to be a starting offensive tackle for us. Case and Henry started the game the other night. Both those guys are out right now. We lost three starters off last year's offensive line. So we've got a lot of new faces, and it's five guys that have to come together and gel, and it just doesn't happen like that, particularly when you have injuries like we've had with Marquee. And, and uh, Ja'Kai Moore was kind of banged up throughout the summer, so he was limited in what he was able to do early on. So those guys will be fine. I got total confidence in them, total confidence in our offensive lines, coaching, everything. So I know everybody right now, they're the easy targets to get, you know, to criticize the offensive line. Well, get your shots in now is what I would tell people. And then when they start playing their ass off as this year goes throughout the season, make sure you're giving them credit too as the year goes on also. It's that last part, those last 10 Mm -hmm. to 15 seconds, get your shots in. You know, I know they're the easy target because when they start playing better, then, you know, give them their praise, which I feel like we will. But it's almost in a way like, are we not are we not supposed to talk about them playing bad because they were pretty atrocious on Saturday night and we're just kind of calling Rick a spade happened. a spade at this point, right? Yeah, and it's Shane Beamer defending his guys, which he should. I'll give him credit for that. I, I wholeheartedly agree that he should, but you can tell when Shane gets fired up, yeah, about something, and he can obviously see. Listen, Shane pays attention. Does he let it affect him? Probably not. He knows what's being said sure. around the program. And if he doesn't know, if they're not telling it to him directly, he's seeing it, whether it's on social media, whether it's someone calling and telling him about it, whether it's something like that. Right. Someone, he he's finding out. Yeah. He, he understands, for better or worse, the pulse of the fan base, good, bad, or ugly. And sometimes he, you, you see it all the time. Um, the doom and gloom speech from when he first got here, <clears throat> his uh, 
rant's not the right word, but his soliloquy when introducing Dowell Loggins. Oh, goodness. Yes. He was scorched uh, earth on that one. Right, like his soliloquy when hiring Dowell Loggins. His, you know, obviously this gets your shots, and now it's him defending his players. And But it's a sense of people, you know, in that program understanding and knowing what's being said on the outside. And there's a want to defend your guys. And I don't begrudge him for doing it any way, shape, or form. But when you say stuff like that, there's a there's a chance that sometimes it does kind of blow back on you if things don't get markedly better. Sure, and look, there's no way to ignore what's being said or, you know, what the narrative about your team is because we live in an age of social media and whether, you know, you can turn off the TV and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, you have social media. People can text you things like radio, obviously. Like, you can't avoid what people are saying, but at the same time, I don't feel like you should be broadcasting the fact that, of how aware you are of what's being said. You know what I mean? There, there to a degree, should be a, a almost kind of a blinders mentality, you would think, right? Like, hey, mm-hmm. we know we got issues. We're focusing on this, this, and that. We're full steam ahead. And whatever people are going to say, people are going to say. Yeah, and I I agree with that, too, but I don't think that's shame. I don't think that that's – and that you hear that, and that might sound bad, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it depends on, obviously, the situation. When it's going well – it's emotion, it's awesome, it's this. And then when things don't go well in a game or over the course of a three- or four-week stretch, it can come off as frustrated and not lashing out, but you know what I'm saying, like frustrated in that you're going to defend your guys, and it was incredibly vociferous in how defensive he was about his guys. And that shows he does have some confidence in this group. And I do think that the when... The pragmatist to me is like, yeah, he made a lot of good points there. Mm-hmm. You relied on Jalen Nichols. You were going to rely on Case and Henry. And when you're having to constantly shift guys in and out of a lineup, their de- consistency and continuity do become an issue. Sure. However, you don't get to just say timeout and pause the season. Right. Let us practice twice a day for two weeks and start okay. this thing. We got to play. Like games are Saturday, and at some point, you know that's why good coaches are good coaches and. You know, Lonnie Teasley has a uphill battle. It's probably not the right word, but Lonnie Teasley has a, a big task at hand trying to get this group ready to play and figure out his best five and just to get and, and find ways to maximize what he has on the roster healthy. Yeah. And Dowell Loggins has to find ways to, if the offensive line is struggling, to, to scheme around it because here I am praising the Dens. Yeah. You have a really freaking good Furman team coming in this weekend. That's not your typical FCS opponent. Should South Carolina win? 100% six ways to Sunday. But this is not a team where you come in and just lay down and just hope that things go well. And we'll hear a little bit of what Coach Beamer had to say about Furman uh, coming up here. But to, to loop back around again to those last couple of seconds, I don't think there's anybody, including us here at the game, that isn't going to be ready to loft praise, particularly on the offensive line, once they start playing better. Like, we all want to see that happen, but we have to see it happen first. Right, and that's the that's the rub here is that, yes, I was high on this offensive line and what it could be. Did I, I think it was think, going... Did I think it was going to be Joe Moore award-winning? Probably not. That's the award to the best line in the country. But did I think it was going to be better than what it was yes 
100% I did. I still think it can get better. Mm-hmm. I still think that as guys continue to play, we've seen the, the formula with Shane Beamer's teams that they do play better towards the end of the season. But you don't have time to waste. And the concern is if it doesn't get better, it, the concern is it not getting better. And then you have to play the hardest or second hardest schedule in the country with an offensive line that struggles and uh, digging yourself into too much of a hole to where even if you do get better at the end of the season, bowl eligibility is going to be a struggle if you can't figure that thing out over these next four weeks with, with this schedule that you have before the bye. And I think we were all pretty optimistic about what the offensive line was going to look like, everything that we heard through camp, everything that we saw you know, through the media availabilities that you guys had out there. And, you know, maybe we were a little bit overzealous and maybe we shouldn't have been as hopeful as we ended up being because, you know, hindsight being 2020, when you look back on it, as you mentioned, you know, Jalen Nichols and having to shift everybody around and then going in, going into last week when the depth chart came out and you saw that, you know, Sidney Fugar and Jackson Hughes were your two options at left tackle. Maybe we should have been a little more pessimistic about that, but we weren't because we were putting faith in what we had seen and heard so far through summer and through camp. And I don't think anybody predicted it to be as awful as it was on Saturday night. No. And reading between the lines, like I I think Wes even said it, like we should have seen it coming when we took the thousand foot view, Uh, but being in it and hearing what everyone had to say, you're like, okay, well this, this group does have a chance and, and they still do. But the question then becomes how quickly can it happen? And what does growth, are you going from point A, where you are right now, to point Z? Or are you going from A to E? And that's both progress, but one is further than the other. And we won't know that until we, we see it, and we see it against, no disrespect to North Carolina, the better fronts that South Carolina is going to have to play this year. Well, the next team on the schedule is Furman coming up Saturday night at 7.30 at williams Bryce Stadium. Coach Beamer did give a little bit of a preview into the Paladins. We'll hear what he had to say about that coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3, The Game in Myrtle Beach, and 100.5, The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. In the bonus, he's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. Here on The Game on your Wednesday morning. Coming up today from 3 to 6, the afternoon show with Jay and Terry. We're broadcasting at Todd and Moore. Looking for Gamecock gear for game day or the latest athletic shoe styles. From famous name brands, go straight to Todd and Moore, your hometown sports store at uh, 620 Huger Street, uh, Hugey Street, ooh, sorry. Ooh, uh, yeah. I can say it reading, it's Huge, different. Yeah. Yes. Always the best prices and selections for everyone. Open uh, 10 to 6 Monday through Saturday, just below Coliseum near Blossoming and Jay and Terry out there broadcasting from 3 until 6 today. Like, that was one of the first street names I learned when I moved here. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's Huge Street, you have to. not Huge Street. Yes. But, like, when I'm trying to read it yes. off of something, it, like, it messes Yuji. with you. Yes, Huge Street. I, I can always tell who's from here and who's not when I hear them say that street. I feel like every place, whether it's street names or, like, the way you pronounce cities and towns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm from Georgia, 
and we have, I'm from Covington, Georgia, and just below us, there's a town, Monticello. Mm-hmm. You don't pronounce the T's in Monticello. It's Monticello. It's Monticello. Yep. Same thing with Atlanta. It's not Atlanta. It's Atlanta. Uh, there is a county, obviously, in South Carolina. Yep. H-O-R-R-Y. Yes. And it's Horry County. Yes. Not the other thing. Right. You have to learn that very quickly. I may have made that mistake a time or two. Time or two? Yeah. Sounds, you are not the first, and you will definitely not be the last. How about that? Uh, in middle Georgia, you have, it's spelled like Houston, but it is Houston County. That sounds about right. Um, there's there's a ton in South Carolina that are kind of like that. My mother, being from Virginia, it is, it's not Norfolk, it's Norfolk. Norfolk. Yeah, it's Norfolk, yep. Virginia. Um, one of our interns last year, Michael Sauls, got an internship. Um, not He's full-time now, but it's covering, it's at the Virginia Pilot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to cover up Norfolk State. And I'm like, oh, buddy, no, 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 no. no, no. Get no, that no. out of your system right now. No. Get that out of your system right now. He's uh, like, oh, oh, yeah, and it's Norfolk. I'm sure you're familiar once you cross the state line over into Georgia. You're not far from Martinez, Georgia. Martinez. Not Martinez, Martinez. There is uh, Arab, Alabama. Arab, uh, Alabama. Past, yeah, past Arab, Alabama. So, uh, are you a fan of It's a Southern Thing, the yes. YouTube channel? Yeah. They have the state by state, like, uh-huh. pronounce these town names, and oh, it's some awesome. of them are completely ridiculous. Oh, it's but awesome. 100% believable. Yeah, no, because it's just, you just got to say, it's essentially say it with a Southern accent. Exactly. They, you're fine. For the uh, most part. Uh, do you remember um, uh, George Pitcher Emerson Hancock? Yes. Uh, from not Cairo, 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 Georgia. Georgia. Yes. You got to say it with the South Georgia A. Cairo. Cairo. Yes. Trust me, I am very aware of some of those towns. Oh yeah, home mm-hmm. of the syrup makers. Yep. Um, Furman, I, I believe we're pronouncing that right. F U R M A N. Furman, home of the Paladins. Yes. Uh, coming to Williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday night for game number two for the Gamecocks. Coach Beamer gave his breakdown of the Paladins for Saturday night. Soon as my mouse starts working. There we go. Now, if you actually study the game of football and know what you're talking about and, and uh, watch football, you know this is a hell of a football team coming in here this weekend. And that's not coach speak. Shane's trying to rally the guys on Tuesday. This is a team that has won eight out of their last nine games. Their only loss was a three-point loss in the playoffs last year. This is a team with 18 returning starters. This is a team that every single starter on their offense or defense, except for two, is a junior, a senior, or a graduate. Uh, So these guys have played a lot of football. They are ranked in whatever they are this week in the ranking six, I think, in the FCS, six in the country uh, as well in FCS. Uh, they led the nation last year in takeaways. I'm sure you guys knew that. So nobody created more turnovers than their defense did last year. We were pretty good on defense. I think we had 24 that we created last season. And we were second in the SEC. These guys created 29. They had six the other night, six turnovers in their game. And then they also led the nation in block kicks. So we pride ourselves on playing good special teams around here. They blocked more kicks than anybody in the country last year as well. And then you say, well, they're... Uh, that's great and all, but you're an SEC football team, and we are. But these guys also went to Clemson last year, outgained them uh, in total offense. Furman's quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, went 31 of 40 
against Clemson last season, rushed for over 100 yards against Clemson, held Clemson to under around 150 yards of rushing, and held Clemson to seven points in the second half. So they won't be wide-eyed coming in here on Saturday night. So if anybody thinks that's the case and that this is a a take-a-breath week, you're sorely mistaken. Us, our team, fans, this is a really good team coming in here, and we need to play uh, really, really well. But Now what Shane Beamer said there is true. Herman did go 10-3 year ago, made it second round of the playoffs in the FCS before losing to an incarnate word. They smashed Tennessee Tech last week, had a ton of takeaways, as he mentioned. Um, Just once. I would love for a coach in one of these media availabilities to say, this team is awful, we're going to crush them 70 to nothing, this and we're going to move on to our next game. This is a chance for our young guys to play, and we're going to yeah, treat it like we're, a preseason we're gonna, game. We're going to get down to our practice squad guys by the right. end of this game. Like, just once, I want one coach to say that. Right, Well, because Saban had his famous rant. <laughs> Through the tin horn. Yeah, <laughs> about an FCS opponent. Uh, I believe, was that Su- Georgia Southern, I think? Is Southern or the Citadel? Yeah, I think it was... The, it Citadel, was tri- the yeah. Citadel was tied with them at 10 at halftime think, the last time they played. Yes, we because you referenced the FCS game about Georgia Southern. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... Every coach is going to say it, and sure. to a degree, it's coach speak. He's not wrong, though. He's not. This is a very one of the better team. teams in FCS. Right. This we isn't, are, you know, little sisters of the poor no. here. and... South Carolina played Charleston Southern in 2019, ironically, after they played North Carolina. That was a bad Charleston Southern team. Like, yep. bad by FCS yep. standards. Charleston Southern team. So, it's not that. And South Carolina went out there and clubbed them, like, 72 to 10. It wasn't even that close. And this is not that. So, Bill Connolly released his... SP plus predictive metric, all that stuff for this week. Here are some notable FBS FCS games and their average margin of victory based on his simulations. Okay. Louisville, Murray State, 38.4. Mm-hmm. Delaware, Penn State, 31.9. Okay. Holy Cross, BC, 4.5. That's believable. I think it might be lower. Um, Ohio State and Youngstown, 36.4. Charleston Southern at Clemson, 48.6. Wagner Navy, 37.9. You get the drift. Yep. Um, the only other one out inside 10 that I saw was Fordham at Buffalo at 8.9. Okay. South Carolina is given by SP Plus a 69% chance to win. Pretty nice. Yeah. But that average margin of victory or projected margin of victory based on the, the predictive metrics and all that fun stuff. Ooh, 8.7. It's going to be a, if the predictive metrics hold, it's going to be a close game. Now, South Carolina could go out there and blow the doors off by 24, 30 points. If they do that, it's not like you look at an FCS game and go, really, they only won by 30? I think think winning by, you know, three scores, four scores would be a really, really good day for this team, given what you just went through last week. Yeah. It's a very disruptive defense and an offense that could do a lot. And, you know, Furman last year started 3-2 and two with a very meh start. They then rattled off six straight wins to end the regular season and 
with no games really that close, 21-10, or 1-2, one, one, two, one, two games decided by a score or right. close, um, right. they were good last year. They won six straight straight mm-hmm. to end the year, won the first game in their FCS um, playoffs, and then lost to an eventual national semifinalist. They're a good team, and the predictive metrics say this is going to be closer than your average FBS-FCS game just because I think South Carolina, the metrics knocked, dinged them a little bit after the loss. Um, but it's you get dinged for that, and Furman's also good, Yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, last thing here about Furman. Familiar name on their defense, Callie Chiswick, son of Gene Chiswick. We get two chizzes in... Back-to-back weeks. <laughs> Back-to-back chiz. And, again, that game coming up Saturday night at 7.30. You can listen to all that right here on the game. Come back, wrap up today's edition of In the Motors. Head out to the Love Chevrolet phone lines. Ty's been holding on for a few minutes. We'll see what he wants to talk about. Coming up, you're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. Here on the game. With Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central and Tyler Head. Powered by Twin Peaks and Candy Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on game a couple more minutes ago wrapping up the wednesday edition of course going to hear from coordinators a little bit later on today and we'll certainly have plenty of sound for them uh coming up tomorrow morning for now though want to head out to the love chevrolet phone lines ty has been holding on for a little bit here ty good morning and uh, what's on your mind today hey fellas how y'all doing great um the biggest thing on my mind um for this first week it was kind of what i kind of seen with usc and some of the sec schools is it looked like the transfer portal is kind of damaging their second line and their second unit. Like Alabama and uh, not Georgia so much, they didn't lose a lot of players, but I know a lot of Clemson and they lost their second team guys that wanted, like, you know, older second team guys, maybe a junior or a senior or going to be a senior that they'll probably be counting on for the previous year. It seemed like they, a lot of big teams lost that, and it's kind of affected when it comes to depth. And I just want to know, did y'all notice anything like that? And also, too, as um, far as Furman, I was going to say, Furman is an excellent team when it comes to the front. They got a good defensive front. They got solid linebackers. And also their offensive line is solid as well. So I see South Carolina struggling, uh, maybe not losing, but struggling kind of what they did against uh, Georgia State. Um, I just want to see what y'all opinions and what y'all thought about that. Thank right. you. Absolutely. Appreciate the call. And uh, we'll see what – Furman does is uh, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Obviously, that's where South Carolina struggled against North Carolina on Saturday. But, but that is a good point that he brings up in this new era of the transfer portal and being able to go whenever you want, kind of wherever you want. Um, you know, a lot of teams do lack depth, and South Carolina is feeling the brunt of that. Now, that's not necessarily all due to the transfer portal. There is right. the injury issues as well. But that's kind of the ongoing game in college football now is not only recruiting a new class to come in every year, but seemingly having to recruiting the guys that are already on your team to want to stick around. Yeah, and it's if I'm a four-star guy and I haven't played, you know, do I want – and I go to Georgia thinking or South Carolina thinking, man, I'm going to get on the field as a freshman and start and do all this and I end up redshirting. 
and then I don't play as a sophomore, it's like, well, do I really want to go through this again and have to wait again to play? And it's not even guaranteed. No, and you see that's why a lot of these, you're seeing the G5 to a degree come up. You're seeing a lot of, you know, of really good G5 programs start to rise up and the parity is, is a lot better, but yeah, the, it hurts depth and that's where coaching comes in. That's where scheme comes in. Um, you can't shoulder every loss, whether it's to the portal or injury, but that's where coaching and culture and wanting guys to be part of the program yeah. ultimately comes into play. And on the flip side of that, I mean, looking at Colorado and what they did this off season, how they formed on Saturday against TCU, you're also able to, build a team really really quickly now as opposed to in years past it was like okay coach is going to come in you know you got to give him three or four years to get his guys in and fill the entire roster or at least most of it with his own recruits now that's not necessarily the case anymore yes the recruiting aspect is still important but it's like okay you can go out there and flip an entire roster in an offseason if you're really you know put the work into it and and come into a new season with a brand new team and that's again what we saw colorado do this past weekend and that's it's two different approaches. There's, I don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way, but I think a lot of it depends, too, on if the coach thinks he's going to be there for a long time. True. Like, if you asked Dion, gave him truth serum and said, do you want to be a Colorado for four or five years? Do you think he says yes? Probably not. Probably not. Uh but if you ask Shane Beamer, hey, do you want to be at South Carolina for five or six or seven or 10, 15 years? I think he says yes. And so I, I think so. the different approaches there come from, do we want to build this sustainable for, you know, four or five years to where, yes, we go to the portal, but we're still in it through high school? Or do we want to get good really quick and then have me jump to another school? Or, or really, do we want to get good really quick and then it helps parlay that into recruiting five or six years down the road as you start to get those guys in in those classes like a TCU I haven't paid attention to their recruiting but hey did TCU going to a national championship really help in recruiting we just don't see it yet because they're all freshmen or yes. they're all committed at 24 so there are different ways but yeah I, I do think that transfer portal is hurting depth at these higher schools because they can't just stockpile four or five-star mm. talent anymore the way Georgia and Alabama and LSU could um, mm. in the 2000s and early 2010s. But at the same degree, I mean, the offensive line would be a whole lot worse off without the transfer portal right. because you look at Gargiulo, you look at Fugar, you look at Jackson Hughes. Those are three guys that came in this past season via the transfer portal, and if we didn't have them and we're only relying on what we have from a recruiting standpoint, you'd be throwing out more of those freshmen, and, and sure, maybe those freshmen turn out to be great offensive linemen, but that is a risky proposition to throw him out there in game number one as true freshman across most of your offensive line. Like you just, you're glad you at least have some form of experience going out there. Yeah. And that's what good programs do. Um, programs that have built well through high school recruiting like Georgia and Alabama, they, they get to dip in to the transfer portal when they want to, not because they have to, they say, Oh, well, you know, we might not be as good at receiver as we want to be. We need another playmaker. Let's just go and get a guy. Um, so there are benefits to going to the portal, but I think it always starts with high school recruiting and the transfer portal has kind of changed how coaches approach recruiting too, because you could take, you know, less guys there and save room for the portal later. Absolutely. That'll do it for today's edition of in the bonus calling off to hear from the coordinators. We'll have plenty of sound from them coming up on tomorrow's show up next. It's the X point. Uh, also I'll get out to Josh on the love Chevrolet phone lines as well.
here on the game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.